All right, it's Russell Brand here. I'm uh, giving you this for free. Well, I'm not giving it to you for free. Luminary is giving you 10 minutes here of my conversation with Janavi Harrison. Janavi Harrison is a British museum. She's not a museum. <laughs> <laughs> She's just one of the many British museums. Jen, don't laugh. It's very, it's very easy for someone to make a mistake, to, to slip over, to stub a toe. Is that what you're going to do? It's such a big thing. What the? The British Museum. Yes, it is a big thing. It's got a lot of treasures in there. A lot of cherished treasures, whether it's the Elgin marbles that we deserve to keep, or stuff from Egypt that's definitely ours. The Rosetta Stones in there, Jen. She's not a British Museum. I mean, I think it's, I think it's because I the word British confused me. She's a British musician. <laughs> like why does what do you mean a British musician known for her mantra meditation music Kirtan she's actually a friend of mine and she's a very brilliant and gifted human being with an incredible voice that's not to say that the British Museum isn't also a fantastic place for a visit but Janavi is definitely more musical she was raised in the family of Bhakti yoga practitioners at Bhakti Devantama. I'll tell you what, I've just done the interview. She did some singing and I feel quite spaced out now. Plus I also took some migraine medication earlier. I thought I was getting a migraine. I don't think I was. But I, preempt I took it in the and now I'm high as a kite on mantras and migraine meds. <sighs> she grew up at Bhakti Devanta Manor, one of England's most important spiritual landmarks. For over 12 years, she's travelled the world, offering her voice and violin playing. I think that, oh God, yeah, as well, in the performance of sacred music. She's an extremely gifted person. Janavi uh, founded Kirtan London, a project that aims to make mantra music accessible and relevant to a wider audience through events and retreats. She sings in this podcast, and maybe we should use a bit of the singing in the free bit. Why not? Who doesn't want to hear a bit of singing? If you uh, like this, why don't you go and get a subscription for as little as $2.99 penny pence pieces a month from Luminary with their annual plan plus a seven-day free trial. Visit luminarypodcast.com to start your free trial. It's not available in all markets. It's subject to local currency and terms apply. Before we get into Janavi, why don't we uh, have some comments that you have offered us for the Judd Apatow episode, which was probably the last one or the one before last in my world, because Eckhart Tolle was the last. Now, because we've banked an episode, everything's confusing. This one's from Gnosis of Self. She says, Love the interview with Judd Apatow. We all channel the source in different ways, and being aware of it really is an experience that changes our worldview completely. Janavi talks about uh, the conversation with Elizabeth Gilbert, but also the conversation with Judd talked about this very thing, this creative essence, consciousness itself, this elemental force impossible to diagnose where it comes from with the archaeology of the mind, the deep biology of the body. Where is consciousness coming from? How does it happen? It's elemental. It's the, the great mystery stitched into all of us. Lisa Porter says, that was me, the last bit that wasn't uh, from Twitter. Lisa Porter, great interview. Judd Apatow is both funny and grounded. Nice. Plus his cats will surely star in his next film. His book, Sick in the Head, is terrific. I've actually, since interviewing Judd, watched that film, King of Staten Island, and uh, I love it. I love um, the central performance from Pete Davidson. I love Bill Burr. I love Marissa Tomei. 
I love Maud Apatow. It's full of great performances. Some of his mates are good. It's a really enjoyable Judd Apatow movie. Fantastic. I also saw that David Copperfield, that Armando Iannucci film, that shit's dope. Have you seen it? No. Yeah, you've got to get that down, yeah? Get it down, you Jen. That shit's dope. That shit is dope. That shit is dope. That's some dope shit right there. Kieran Tudor here. Love that thought that comedy is a glimpse behind the curtain. Comedians are jesters and poke fun at how we live in our reality. Thank you, Kieran. You've actually made my day not difficult to do when I spend all my time working with an abhorrent psychopath. Let's enjoy now a lovely interview with Janavi Harrison, gifted musician, conveyor of spiritual wisdom. And also not, and I repeat not, for those of you that may still be confused, the British Museum. <laughs> Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful route. Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand. Do you have like an agenda or objectives or ambition for your music? Like say when you're collaborating with someone who's like high profile in a more, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, I want to say commercial or conventional way. I know know Willow Smith is a switched on human being. Um, Mm. But like, uh, like, do you care you know, do you like do you, do you have ego around that kind of thing? Is it something that's appealing to you? What did is it hard to have personal ambition if you live a life of spiritual devotion? I mean, this is a thing that like I'm finding, I'm learning about myself because I did go to like a to normal schools. I didn't have any explicit spirituality in my childhood, mm. other than that my mum was very much love and kindness, love and kindness mm. in a very sort of you know that was who she is. Um, so. Like, so, like, for me, I, it was very, like, when the idea of um, fulfillment through pursuit of individual goals, when that idea was, when I sort of came across that idea, I thought, oh, right, that's, yeah, I get it. I'll, I'm down mm. with that. You know, like, whether it was, like, being in school plays or, the, in my case, the pursuit of sort of fame and money and then other forms of addiction and attachment you know, mm. I, I and now that I'm sort of coming down from that and sort of waking up for that, which has been sort of a pretty slow process for me, I still feel the echo of it and like the like a, you know like when people you hear tales of people that have had a limb amputated, still feeling mm. that I still feel like the limb of my own sort of ambition and desire and it requires quite a lot of me to maintain a spiritual focus particularly around the um, intentions of my creativity and my attitudes towards success do you find it seductive or distracting in any way i think that i mean for me personally i think that it's always there um i can't say it's something that's consciously and intentionally being like a driving factor but I think you know the ego always wants as you said appreciation and validation and praise and things like that so whenever there's opportunity for that I mean I do deal with that 
I think every time that I take that position of leading Kirtan, because people are listening to me, um, and I'm supposed to be doing it just in a mood of service, but naturally I'm hearing my own voice and there's that natural voice of, you know, self-consciousness and, oh, did I sing that right? And there's a constant negotiation between that spiritual self and the kind of ego that just wants to, everyone to say, oh, you're so fantastic. Um, and that's something, yeah, something very real for me. And I would say I've sort of shied away from being, in some, in some ways I've shied away from being more, seen and heard and well known it's it's taken me a long time to accept but it's a it's a good thing to share something good it's it's good to go out there and and, and put it out there so i think um in you you asked about agenda i think it it's very fulfilling and satisfying for me to know that something that i create is helpful to someone and so many people um you know i remember when i was young i would i would um I remember being on the school bus in secondary school and like writing lists of things that I think I want to be when I grow up and just had like, I can remember like three columns of different things. And over the years, I'd sort of scratch one out and, you know, um, but I think the, the, the core thing that came out was I, I did want to feel a sense of purpose and meaning and that I'd done something which helped others and, and, and also use my abilities, my, my nature. So um, the agenda I'd say uh, is, you know, what, what's most fulfilling is to, is to help people and serve people. <clears throat> people tell me like, oh, you know, that the music touches their hearts or that they, they sleep better or they played it as they came in on their wedding. And that, that sort of thing is, is, is really sweet and lovely. And I do have to, I do have to also negotiate sort of with my, my ego that it's, it's about me, you know, they're, they're saying, oh, and you're this and you're that. Um, but uh, I think, I mean, I, I, I was, you know, reflecting many, many years ago when I kind of accepted to, to go down this path of just making more recorded things and just putting them out there that, um, the more that I get in the way of what I'm trying to what I'm trying to offer, the the less effective the whole thing will be because it's more you know more about me than anything in, in that sense. Yeah, it's taken me quite a lot of therapy and to get to that point of recognizing that the only power I have in my own life is the power to ruin it. You know, like, and like if I just stay out of my own life, <laughs> then it will be managed yeah. very well on my behalf. Will you sing in this environment? Will you sing in this podcast? Or is that not your thing at all? I once tried to get Noel Gallagher to play a guitar and he did do it. But after he done it, I thought it was the wrong thing to do because he <laughs> seemed, seemed to resent it. He sang a song once, and and that had an audience and was on stage. It wasn't just sat as you are currently between two bookshelves. I'd be happy to, whatever you like. Oh, yeah, sing some stuff, will ya? Sing some things. Okay. All right. Um, all right, let me have some tea just to juice myself up. <laughs> Peppermint tea is what we need. Govinda Jaya Jaya Gopala 
You've got a pretty amazing voice. When you sing, I don't want to stop singing. Oh. <laughs> I remember, of course, um, you sang, um, I hope, you sang at our house one time. I can't remember like, if it was a wedding or a christening. Maybe it was a christening. Both. It was both. You're always singing. <laughs> oh, the one I remember especially is, oh yeah, that was at the, uh, our wedding, me and Laura's wedding. I remember being very, very captivated and transported. And just then when you sang, and I suppose it's quite explicit there, sort of the, some of the central symbols in, the, uh, in your tradition are about the power of music and the power of vibration and its transcendent quality. And like you said in, when we were talking before, the power of art to bypass the intellect, that tool that we have that is so efficient and great but also perhaps mm. hems us into particular perspectives i felt very very carried away by that it was very very beautiful thanks for doing that mm. although I it has that day it was lovely it was a lovely day our wedding wasn't it <laughs> it was amazing your family have become quite integral to the spiritual progress of the brand family oh. conduct <laughs> bring in music and ceremony. You're, will you tell us about a little bit about your uh, father? Because he's like, as best as I can understand, a kind of priest. Yes, he is. He's a priest and a teacher, writer, and um, yeah, he he's he's been doing that for many many years. Um, he's done I don't know how many hundreds of weddings and funerals, and there's different rites of passage within a tradition that are marked. So I, I love I love the way that he does those things because he though he chants the traditional prayers and mantras, he definitely has a way of um, translating it and making it very accessible for everyone present. And he often does <laughs> he often does um, weddings with, you know, unusual kind of combinations of people and marriage of different cultures and things. So, yeah. He yeah, because I remember Moya at our um, wedding, like we we had a sort of a more I say conventional, but I'm I don't know well, what which would be more conventional really. It seems like an odd word to use these days, but we had like a <laughs> sort of uh, Church of England type wedding at a little church, and then like uh, your father conducted a ceremony, and it was very. Uh, conversational colloquial and a lot of people who had no experience of Harry Krishnas except for I would imagine they would see it in the cliched way of airports or up and down Oxford Street yeah. which was indeed my first encounter with uh, the Krishna consciousness movement like them a, a few more than one several people said like um that felt very connected to me, very, very real. I some like mm. you know as we were discussing the sacred before, if the sacred is going to be <laughs> elevated so that it is once again relevant and present in all of our lives so if it is ever to replace the systems that deny it and have um, uh, overwhelmed it then we need to be able to 
reach people that have been educated in an entirely different tradition in an entirely different um language and like to be able to reach to convey spirituality conversationally and not make it sound either abstract or irrelevant in some other ways is mm. very very great gift i think if you are enjoying this conversation join me over at luminary for the rest of it go to uh, luminarypodcast.com start your free trial i'll see you there i hope you enjoy it bye